through. It's your guy, the H-Double Hark Henry, the Thursday Thursday podcast. And uh, this is a separate segment from the series that we were doing called the Consociation Conversation. This is something a little bit different. The Her is not going to be with me on this topic because this is a topic that's really where we're going to get to the root of our communities, the social structure of things that are going on that's, help, that's happening to uh, our black men, our black people, and our black women in today's community. Before I just kind of go on my spill, I just want to give you, give you the layout that if you have any questions or any comments regarding this podcast or even my uh, radio show, The Two Hearts Sunday Show on WMVU.org, you can contact me on my Twitter at M-S-T-A-J underscore H-A-R-K. That's Mr. J underscore Hark. And my uh, Instagram is two Harks, the number two, H-A-R-K-S. So um, today I have a guest here, a friend of mine that I've worked with for a number of years. I'm going to let him introduce himself so you guys can get acquainted with him. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. Uh, my name is Kevin Jackson. I am uh, right now a manager for a local um, protection agency. Uh, I am a retired police officer from, mm-hmm. from the state of Maryland. Mm-hmm. I also have worked in the uh, behavioral health field, uh, specifically with uh, young adults, juvenile delinquents, that kind of thing. So um, that's the that's the gist of my background. Also, I'm pretty much a historian uh, because of all the reading and, and things that I've done over the years. Good. I'm excited to have you here. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you. Like he said, he does have a background as a retired police officer and in mental health. And we're going to kind of touch on uh, a few of those things. Uh, Before we do this, I want to just kind of give you some information on why I'm starting this topic today. And the topic of this podcast is to see me without prejudice. And I want people to understand that there's a difference between prejudice, bigotry, and racism. And I was digging up some information because I do my research and I found a website called DebbieIrving.com. And the topic of her website is, are prejudice, bigotry, and racism the same thing? Uh, Before I do that, I wanted to give you the definition of what prejudice is. And prejudice is a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. Prejudice is an unjustified or incorrect attitude, usually negative, towards an individual based solely on the individual's membership of a social group. Found that to be very interesting. Again, the reason why I started looking up this information is because the events that have been happening with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, just to name a few, that really starts this Black Lives Matter uh, movement. So let me just read this article for you here. Are prejudice, bigotry, and racism the same thing? No. And this is a huge source of uh, misunderstanding. Prejudice is when a person negatively prejudges another person or group without getting to know their beliefs, thoughts, and feelings behind their words and their actions. A person of any racial group can be prejudiced towards a person of any other racial group. There is no power dynamic involved. Bigotry is a stronger prejudice, a more severe mindset, and often accompanied by discriminatory behavior. It's arrogant and mean-spirited, but requires neither systems nor power to engage in. Racism is the system that allows the racial group that's already in power to retain power. Since arriving on U.S. soil, white people have used their power to create preferential access to survival rights, resources, 
housing, education, jobs, voting, citizenship, food, health, legal protection, and etc. For white people, while simultaneously impeding peoples of color's access to these same rights and resources, though reverse racism is a term I sometimes hear, it has never existed in America. White people are the only racial group that have ever established and retained power in the United States. Would you agree with that? Oh, uh, absolutely. And it's interesting that the person, Debbie Irving, who wrote this, she's actually white. Right. <laughs> Let me give you a little bit more information of why I'm having this podcast. And then we're going to talk to my friend Kevin here and we're going to really touch on some issues, try to help some of these people out. Um, my reasoning for creating this segment, long before the events of George Floyd, there's a, there has been consistent situations where excessive treatment or abuse of power has been administered upon people of color. Uh, once these situations are released to society on social media, you see a flurry of comments about the individual who becomes a victim to the tragedies we are starting to see as a regular occurrence. These comments on social media are crude, disrespectful, and amongst all things, nothing but hateful rhetoric, but most definitely hinge on the threads of racism. I rarely get involved in posting to any of these comments I see on social media because I know where it's going to lead me. Nowhere. Putting a strain in my fingers trying to prove my point to an uninformed population of people with no true facts and who could care less about the truth. All they care about is the face value of the matter. Allow me to explain this a little bit more. A few weeks ago, there was a video released on social media where two police officers were shot by a white driver during a, a police officer traffic stop. To my knowledge, I believe one of them died. This video caught my attention and I became engaged in a long, lengthy Twitter argument with a gentleman named Jesus, who described himself as Mexican, and we were on two opposite sides of discussions that included George Floyd's death. Upon watching the initial video of the police officers pulling over the white driver, in the video you can see an officer on the driver's side and an officer on the passenger side. Bear in mind, no guns are drawn. These officers were in the process of removing the driver from his vehicle. Again, bear in mind, there are no guns drawn. From the passenger side, the officer used a stun gun and that was deemed unsuccessful. Afterwards, the passenger side officer walked over to the driver's side to assist in removing the person from his vehicle. No guns are still drawn. The driver kicked, hit, pushed, punched, and refused to leave his vehicle while screaming for help. There are still no guns drawn by the officer. They then pepper spray the driver, which also renders itself to be unsuccessful. No guns are still drawn. This continued for about seven or eight minutes before the driver either reached in his vehicle for a gun or took one of the officer's guns. I'm not sure. Afterwards, he shot them both and like I said, I believe he killed one. What caused me to comment was the fact that the officers went through several steps to subdue a man who was violent, non-compliant, resisting arrest, and quite possibly on drugs. My first comment was that if every officer in the last few instances where a black person died would have at least used a pepper spray, a lot of people we're marching for would still be alive today. Agreed? Agreed. <laughs> Jesus began a long, lengthy disagreement that involved many people that was on Twitter just kind of jumped in our argument. But with him sticking to the points of George Floyd being on drugs that day and resisting arrest, my argument was the situation itself and others before that were preventable if police officers had effective protocols and policies in place when approaching suspects, especially black suspects. I myself have been approached by officers both black and white where the first thing they do is either reach for their gun or they pull it out. In George Floyd's case, the officer knocked on the window with the tip of his gun in an aggressive manner, which sent George Floyd in a state of panic. All that just to question him about an alleged fake 
$20 bill. The officers in the traffic stop video approached the white driver without cause for alarm and in a calm, authoritative manner. Why? What's the difference between George Floyd's alleged $20 bill and this guy on a highway? Without prejudice, can we exploit Mr. Floyd's and Breonna Taylor's situations? without the details that might or may not be involved. George, with or without traces of drugs in his system, does not warrant him to be approached in the manner he was approached. His past criminal activities do not warrant him to be treated in such a manner where vocally pleading and begging for his life is necessary. Brianna Taylor's past relationship with a known drug dealer who she was no longer involved with and who was previously in custody did not warrant or justify her death. The protocols of the police and their intelligence were negligence and caused the woman her life. Can we see this without prejudice? Can we view the contents of these situations without the proverbial indications of criminality? When the Minnesota Vikings wanted to honor Floyd's family, I saw a comment on Facebook that implied they were honoring a family of crackhead. When the city implied to naming a street after him, someone implied, why are we celebrating a criminal? I responded, I responded, we honor criminals every day in America on our national holidays. Why is this any different? Ooh. <laughs> I can just imagine the response on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a couple people, one. they oh, they wasn't happy with that. <laughs> and the thing about uh, America, man, they, they don't like the, their truths and history back at them. Right. They don't want that. Oh, they don't want that conversation. They don't. With someone who knows what they're talking about. Right. Um, it's, it's, I like the fact that you started out giving a... De a definition of prejudice mm -hmm. because if you use the word racist against someone who is prejudiced you basically gave them an out right because a racist means that you limit oppress go after yeah. treat different with the power to do it the intent to do it and the intent yeah but you have the difference is the power. So a, a person of power certainly can be racist, yeah. but a person who does not have power can be prejudiced. Right. And we have probably more prejudiced people than we do have racists. Yeah. Because if you look at power, power is concentrated at the top. So you can't get a person who's going through uh, homelessness or or uh, joblessness and they make a racist statement mm -hmm. and say that they are a racist because they lack the power to act upon their prejudice. Right. So when we say when we call people racist, it's giving them a way to talk themselves out of it. And they're correct. Mm -hmm. They're correct because racism in America is a power play. Yeah, it's not a prejudice play. You can be prejudiced all your life and never be in a in a in a um, a position to be a racist. Because you can you can call me whatever all you want to, mm -hmm. but if you have no power over what happens to me inside or outside of my home, it doesn't matter. It's just word. But when you are a racist and you're able to deny me an opportunity because only because I may be black and and the fact that you don't like black folks for a prejudice reason, that's a racist. Right. So so I like the way that you you uh, you started out in educating people on what those terms mean, because when you know what those terms mean, then you can you can dialogue based on the truthfulness of what you've what you've actually determined. Right. So if you determine somebody a racist and they're not, then your 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 uh your argument is dead from the beginning. 
if you argue with a person who doesn't have the ability to be a racist, you're going to lose because you're going to you're going to give them more power than they actually have. Right. Right. Uh, I, I also like this. And as you were talking about that, I also like to look at that word prejudice. And it's a, a prejudice thing to think that all black people are monolithic. We don't think alike. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get in trouble in our own community right. because we don't think alike. Those are when you look at this George Floyd thing, you're going to have some different opinions based on uh, generation, age, uh, experience, uh, economic background, where where they're at. Um, so some of the comments that you hear from other people is based on purely their experience and that's when we get a pure understanding or a pure good dialogue with with people because now we're understanding where we're coming from right because people will well they will talk with me about how terrible the police are and and how uh we need to defund the police and we don't need the police anymore or you're talking to a former or a retired police officer who spent 15 years on a department with racist individuals, racist. I didn't say prejudice, I'm saying racist because they have the power. Um, But was able to work through that only because I understood where I was at, who I was dealing with, and how to deal with it. Based on my um, standing in the community, Mm -hmm. um, my background, my my upbringing, and and how to confront those people. Um, There could have been rage there, but there wasn't because that's just not that's not who I am. So we, when we go forward and we talk about how to dialogue about this whole thing, we got to take into consideration where these people are coming from, not just their, their skin color, because you're going to get blindsided when you talk to some people and they don't agree with you because they're black right. or they're white. You know, there's going to be, you got to allow them to have that unpresidential, uh, that unbiased opinion, mm-hmm. uh, irregardless of who they are. Right. So going forward, um, a conservative can talk to a person who is liberal as long as they understand what a liberal is and what a conservative is. Because if you don't, then there's just going to be beating your heads up against the wall because nobody's going to try to listen to the other person and understand where they're coming from. And no solutions will be. Made. And no solutions will be. We'll be back here again. Right. It's interesting that you said uh, racism is about power because one of the diagrams that Miss Irving had on her website to try to further explain is uh, by using the example of local elections, which mm-hmm. is if you know your politics and about voting, if you vote almost every year, there's an act of racism in your local elections mm-hmm. because every once in a while they'll change the zoning lines yes. to include certain type of voters and exclude other voters. Gerrymandering. Right. Yep. Right. And that is a form of racism because they yes. have the power to do that because now they have the power to exclude a whole race of people based on what neighborhood they're living in. Right. And I think we got an example of that because when Donald Trump won, he didn't win the popular vote. But if you if you go back and look and how he won, it was different districts and how much those districts represented of the whole. Right. So he had people who knew that and they they knew that I don't need to win everybody. I just need to win enough to win that district. And and now that's the big fight right now mm-hmm. is is controlling those lines and and 
the voter suppression and, and all those kinds of things that, again, the powerful people can do that um, on, on either side. So we have to watch only it's not only people trying to be racist, but powerful people want to be more powerful. And the more they will their power, the more power hungry they get. Yep. So so when we talk about police officers <laughs> being able to put their foot on the neck of somebody and kill them in broad daylight in front of everyone, that is an that is a, a, a power to take the life from someone without the regard of being in trouble because they have elevated themselves to um, a judge, jury and executioner. Right. And that's and that's the most power. Um, you're you're able to take the life of someone and justify that, you know, and and I think that was the last straw from some people. Mm-hmm. And they looked at it and it's like, oh, now we get it. Yeah. Now we have a killer on the loose. Right. And he got a badge and right. he's got a notion that he can do this. And there are people saying that he did have that, uh, that ability because he was not taken off the street in handcuffs that day. Right. And right. that's why people are upset. Yeah. And that's why that's why the nation almost exploded. Right. Because of that. And, and I've had a conversation with um, a friend of mine who used to work with us. I think you worked with when we worked in the school system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I've talked about her on a couple of my other podcasts. Uh, they're they're a white couple, her and her husband. And. She specifically said that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. What are we missing? And then she called me twice about this. And I had to really break it down to her because she's confused. And it's like she it's like she's kind of like in a glass house with no room. She's just kind of bouncing off the walls. Right. So the first time we had a conversation, she uh, was just wondering why people are so angry. And I told her specifically that if me and her husband left two different sides, almost two different sides of town. We left the bar at the same time going the same speeds and pulled over by a police officer. The outcome for me is going to be different for the outcome of him. He's Absolutely. got he's got 90% chance of going home right. or maybe being arrested or whatever. Me, it's 50-50. Right. It can go sideways either way. And if I'm not going home, I hope at least I'm going to jail. Right. And not the other way around. And right. I said, I told her, in our community, that's a fact. That's the reality. That's our reality. Yeah. Once I kept breaking this down to her, she's like, I get it. I just didn't know. And and I told her, I said, I and I said, you know what? If more people would just come out, quit saying, or oh, if he put in those prejudices, if he would have just resisted arrest or if mm-hmm. he wasn't on drugs and all that. Right. Beside all that, he's a person. Then the second time she called me, she uh, said that she has friends who were police officers and they couldn't take any more of the nonsense that was going on in the city. So they retired early. Mm -hmm. And she said, we have friends that are police officers and we have black friends in our community. And she said, we uh, support Black Lives Matter, but we also support our friends who are police officers. Yeah. So I put she said she put a Blue Lives Matters flag out. Mm-hmm. So she said, I don't understand why my black friends hate me now. So I kind of explained it like this to her. And I said, again, based on our last conversation, it's 50-50 for us. And we feel like we don't get the, the fair side of that other 50 because it's obviously we're not. 
So when I say my black life matters, that's because I'm black, I'm scared, I matter, respect me, let's, let's work this out, don't kill me. Because that's, right. like, that's our reality. Right. But then when you say blue lives matter, your friend's retired. Right. <laughs> so they're no longer blue. Right. They're just they're on the sideline now. They're, they're they have an occupation. We're talking about my life, my community, my upbringing versus your career that you can give up and retire from at any time. Right. And she got it. And, she, and I said, really, the best thing for you is not to put anything out in front of your house. No, no. <laughs> nothing. Black lives matter. Yeah. Blue lives matter. Yeah. Go Trump. Nothing. Yeah. Just don't, don't just just keep it moving. Yeah. Just it, say, it, hey, neighbor, keep keep going. I find it odd and, and, and kind of amazing that some people can't believe in a cause unless they feel the same. Yeah. And, and and we all know growing up in America and black in America, and we've said it before, we'll say it again. If you ain't black, you don't understand. Right. And 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 that's not that's not a battle cry for us. That's a reality. That's a song we sing all the time mm-hmm. because it's done to us. It's not it's not a, it's not a overall oh, well, y'all live in the hood in the ghetto and we're going to treat y'all the same. It's not because, you know, just as well as I do, if you riding in the ghetto and you white, you still going to get out of there differently than a black man. Would. Right. So so it's 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 a black thing. And, and unfortunately, it's unique to being black in America. I mean, we didn't start it. And, and at some point we accepted it as a survival. We yeah. have to survive that way. We have to understand that when we get pulled over, I turn my dome night on yeah. in my car because I want you to see my hands. I, w- I want you to see what I'm doing. Right. I'm not trying to hide anything. So so that's our reality. It's not something that we, it's not our fault. It's just that that's the way it is in America. And, and now people get to see a little bit of it. It's just a little bit. Right. It's not George Floyd is not the black community. No. And and he's not the first nor will he be the last who was done wrong. I mean, think about Rodney King. Yeah. And 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 all of the all of the comebacks and all of the uh, analysis that was going on back in 1991 are still going on. How long does it take to diagnose a disease? Yeah. It's 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 a long time. And but now you got two different generations of people going through the same thing. When does it end? Right. I mean, we've been around for 400 and some plus years and and it's always been here. It's just it's just changed and evolved. Oppression is oppression regardless. If you got your foot on my neck, it doesn't matter how old I am, where I come from, how much money I got in my back pocket. You're going to feel that pressure. Right. And and black people have grown up with pressure. Right. And and that's what you saw, that rage. I'm not talking about those people who took advantage of the situation and start breaking in the stores. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about them people who came out of their house during a pandemic that could kill them and and voiced their opinion at the top of their lungs and could not be turned away from the violence of the police and the government to right. shut them up. Right. And so. There's a new there's a new way that people have to think because that old way ain't going no more. Right. That that. Oh, why did he why did he have a fake twenty dollar bill or and just to put it in context, a fake twenty dollar bill. You can't even go to jail for that because we got to prove the police department has to prove that you faked it. Right. 
Right. You know, so so even even the minuscule crime that this man supposedly did, he could have got past that twenty dollars from somebody else. Right. So so the law says that unless you can have a you can find the prints on him or or where he printed the money, he's not he he's not culpable. He's he, you can't even charge him with it. What are you going to charge him with forgery? He didn't make it. Right. He passed it. So it's it's a minuscule crime. And for them to try to say that it was, they didn't say it was justified. They were saying that it was a shame that this man had to die. But some people say, why did he resist? You know, and, and that that's not an excuse. I'm claustrophobic. You're going to have a hard time getting me back right. into in, in, a, in, in the back of a police car with my hands behind my back. Right. That's that. I, I can feel that. That's real. Right. And you and you do feel like you can't breathe when you're in a situation where you're you're not in control and you're in a backseat of someone else's car after you've been roughed up. So what he was saying was real um, to the, the response to it is what's wrong. Right. And that's the conversation I was having with Jesus on Twitter. And the more the longer we had this conversation, it, it was a conversation out of uh, opposition and anger. Then I had to pull myself back personally and just tell Jesus, I said, I'm not trying to be your enemy in this situation. Right. And he even came back. He said, I'm not trying to fight with y'all in this, in this situation. But I told him, I want you to understand that how the whole thing was initiated. George Floyd was right. already in panic mode. If somebody knocks on your window with a gun barrel in your face. Right. First thing he said, oh, <laughs> that, yeah. when it, um, that's on the video. It's bad. Right. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, he's like, well, yep. I didn't. I'm sorry. Yep. But but even let's think of that, because this is why I say let's take the prejudice out of that. Let's yeah. think about this. If if he knew he had a twenty dollar bill, he went him and his buddy parked around the corner, walked to the store, bought whatever they bought. And check this out. So between the time of giving that twenty dollar and the time the police officer got there had to be more than five minutes. Mm -hmm. The guy, the, the store clerk had to look at it. Right. Oh, I think this is fake. Right. He ain't working by himself. Give it to his buddy. You think that's fake? I think right. this is fake. Yeah. Let's call the police. Right. That's about two, three minutes right there. Exactly. So then, then they got to dispatch the police officer, mm -hmm. see if one's in the area, pull up. First thing he's going to do, go into the store. What's the problem? Yeah. Got a fake 20. Oh, it looks fake. Who, who gave it to you? That guy's still sitting over there. Right there. So I'm going to have to walk over there while he's still sitting there. Right. Eating chips with his right. boy. Because we got away with it. Yeah. And, and, and I, I saw the police pull up. Right, right, right. And I got to pull my gun out to knock on his window. Right. So if I knew I had a fake 20, you ain't going to get time to check check it out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm already out. at the store and I'm, I'm going. Out. I'm going to meet you around the corner. I'm going right. to run around the corner. And you got to find me the with the video. Right. I don't even want to get in the car. I'm running faster than that. Right. I'm going. Right. And, and that's and that's where and, and that's where I kind of got this from, because I'm like, take away the prejudice and use common sense. You got a man with a, a gun barrel in his face, panicking, scared to death because he know it's 50 50. Right. And it's already on the wrong end of that. Right. 50. You, you knocking on my window with your gun in your hand. Right. And then as I made these points to Jesus, he was like, oh, well, maybe I need to look at the video again. Maybe. Maybe you yeah. need to clear your thoughts a little bit. Yeah, you missed uh, something. He's, George Floyd was on drugs. We're not talking about that right now. If he was on drugs, he still sat there for a while. Right. <laughs> I, I think what you're talking about is, and what we, what a part of this whole thing is, is with Black Lives Matter, give us the same yep. treatment same as you would give 
anyone. It's ridiculous to have to go around and have a slogan that says Black Lives Matters like you, like the rest of the world has to be reminded that we're human beings. Right. But, but because the, the things that have been done against us looks like we're not regarded as human beings, that slogan had to come out. Right. Let me remind you that we are, we matter. Right. And, it, and I mean, we can say it a hundred times, but until you show us that we matter, and like you said, not, I mean, you're coming up to a door with your gun in your hand, deadly force. Right. And you don't even know what's, it's a $20 bill. Right. You don't even know who you're dealing with. Right. So you come up there, you knock on the door. Why? Because you think that this is the way you need to treat this brother. And, and it goes south after that. And why is that? Because before we started recording, you started telling me that. It's the mentality. It's when, when, when you're afraid, when you're, when you're actually have some fear in your heart, right. you go to what you know. And what you know is the what you've been taught. So if you've been taught that black men are much more aggressive, mm -hmm. stronger, right. and more apt to, to uh, resort to violence, mm -hmm. then once you meet that and you're you got fear in your heart for whatever reason, yep. then you're gonna to resort to that. Or you and and most people who are in fear try to minimize that fear. Well you ain't gonna jump out this car and beat me up if my gun is already in my hand. I'm right. about to put a bullet in your head. Right. So so that's what happens when you have police officers that are not in the community, but not only that, who don't know the community, are not from the community, and have a bias against that community. Right. They are going to react the way that they naturally think. And and police officers, they especially white ones from from areas where they are not they are not alongside black people. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a preconceived idea right. on who we are. And when you when you employ that, mm -hmm. then the, the the humanity of that person that you're dealing with goes away. Right. Because now you're in self survival mode. Right. And, and and as it gets as it goes bad, resisting or or trying to survive this this survive. encounter, survival, um, you're going to be much more inclined to saving your own tail. Right. A lot of the thing, a lot of the things that I've seen uh, as a as a retired officer and having some kind of uh, insight on police uh, tactics, a lot of police officers have put themselves in situations mm -hmm. where they have to deploy deadly force mm -hmm. and therefore justify what they did. Let's look at Breonna Taylor. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was in undercover narcotics for a little while, and. Um, and I've hit doors. You know, I've never hit that door myself. Mm -hmm. We always had a very highly trained uh, SWAT SWAT team, for yeah. the lack of a better word, and they go in and they subdue that house, and and they can put they can do a two story house in ten seconds with everybody in it, mm -hmm. and everybody's laying on the floor in handcuffs. Right. Nobody's shot. Nobody's killed. But but and, and and at sometimes you may get somebody who's saying, you know, somebody trying to break in, but there's tactics. You know, you throw a flash bomb in there. Why? Because it, it makes them disoriented. The first thing they can't you can't jump for a gun when you think your house is blowing up. Right. So so let's look at that first. Right. I don't understand how you can do a no knock warrant 
with detectives in no in, in plain clothes and and officers right. police officers street officers are not trained to go and first of all it's an apartment so you do have right. to think about all the people <laughs> around you you don't want gunplay in an apartment in an apartment right because there's other people around that's drywall i mean right. just a regular ball round to go through that and then that's not what they're carrying so if we look at the police tactics we don't have to go no further with brianna taylor because the tactics are wrong Right. So when the tactics are wrong, when you implemented this whole this whole scheme on how you was going to break into this woman's house and find all these drugs and everything, the tactics that you use, you should have known that it was deadly. Yeah. Because like they keep saying, this man had every right, yep. every right. He was licensed to shoot anybody coming in their house like that. Mm-hmm. You come in my house like that, I got eight shots. I only need two. Mm-hmm. And both of them going to be in you because mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot you. Right. And, and and that's anybody. So just the fact that they never considered that, again, goes back to that bias and that right. and that way of thinking. Oh, this ain't nothing but a thug sitting up in the house. He probably going to be high as a kite. I'm going to go up there and, and take all these drugs up yeah. out of here. And the girl, she's she's in on it. Yeah. You know, uh, we're not we talking about a, a, a woman who went through. Uh, paramedic school right so so she's trying to better and do things for herself the right way and you still have that bias of who she is right and and the boyfriend that she was with initially right was already in custody right he got arrested that night and right. they knew that right but but again just going straight forward and going based on how we think about suspects and black suspects and and how we feel about black people not being people. Again, black lives matter. If that's in your heart, then you would treat them the way you would treat anyone else. Right. Give me the same respect as as those cops gave that white dude that killed them on the highway. Or the guy who shot all the all the people down in North Carolina in the church, yeah. and they were giving him water, right, and you a know? burger, yeah, and a burger. <laughs> right. Took, gave him something to eat because he was hungry. You know, killed all these black folk, yeah. and y'all was able to get him and get him. Oh, he didn't resist. And again, they walked up on him with yeah. no guns drawn, and he didn't resist. That's why he's still alive. No, no, I don't think so. Right, because I'm pretty sure if a black man went into a white church and blew, and, and 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 killed all them white folks, uh, he could have had a band. He could have had a rubber band. And he'd be dead. Right. Because we got a guy who had an alleged fake $20. And he's dead. And he's dead. Right. Uh, uh, For whatever reason. And and again, you have to think. And and one of the things that I I understood as a police officer, you you, you are there to keep everyone in that that community safe. Yeah. Regardless of of who they are, what they look like. I I worked in a in a high uh, uh, overwhelmingly white population for what for uh, the the county that I worked in. But I if I had those biases like um, other police officers from different uh, different backgrounds, I probably wouldn't have lasted a year. Mm-hmm. Um, because those people weren't treated that way. Right. Uh, even black people living in that area, you don't know who you're messing with. Right. Because we had lawyers and, and DAs and everything else living in that county. So to try to take that that um, that ability to put in your heart that you are working for these people, how can you kill that? That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do if you think of this person as a human being. So again, Black Lives Matters is necessary. Right. To to be repeated over and over again until we get a response right that it does matter right 
defunding the police and, and, and all this talk about giving reparations and, and all the stuff that's that's been debated through the years comes up and it's all just talk. All we want is y'all to get your foot off our neck. Right. Right. Because if that if that I mean, and then you go back into the black community, right. which which is another conversation that is a part of this conversation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. Because um, you got to diagnose the black community and why it's looked upon the way that it is. Right. And it's not looked upon. And I ain't talking about it's drug infested and all that stuff. I'm talking about how you look at them as human beings. And that's where you got to start. You got to start as these people are human beings, period. Right. And yeah. if you don't, if you you can't, it's just like, you know, I know you, you're you a dog lover. Mm-hmm. And it's just like if you get a, uh, an animal control person who can't stand or hate dogs, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Because they're going to treat them differently. They're going right. to treat them wrong. And and so when you have police officers out here who don't respect the lives of black people, irregardless of that, because I'm waiting on get I'm waiting to get pulled over. Right. You know, I, and, you know, I already got my statement ready. Right. You know, because I know my rights. I know how to act. Not that nobody else doesn't, but I know what you can and cannot do. Right. And and I'm not pulling out no badge. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not doing none of that. I'm going to see how you're going to treat me because it shouldn't make a difference if I got a bad sitting in my car or not. Right. You know, if you're going to treat me different than anybody else, then we're going to have a problem. Yeah. And and I know the language. So and, and I ain't the only police officer that's out here. So they they will get caught. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really know when, but I like what we're doing now. Right. We just need to keep going. Right. Because it ain't nothing changed. <laughs> no, no. Um, and, I've, and I've had. And, and here's and here's the thing, man, just like stepping back a little bit about how black people are treated, because, uh, you know, having a conversation with, with other white friends and I had a buddy of mine and he was just saying some things and I had to remind him. I said, look, man, our paths on this planet different aren't the same. No. So he was offended by that. He said, oh, I've grown up with black friends. I've rode with my black friends when they got pulled over and I got treated as bad as a black person. I said, what does that mean? What does that mean? Is that okay because the white person was with him? Right. I mean, but you say that as if like you, well, they treated me like an animal. Right. You know what I'm saying? They so that's me, okay. Right. So they treated me like a black person. But what does that mean? How is that okay? That's that's the problem with our conversation we're having right now. But that statement in itself leads to the fact that you understand that it's different. Right. Because they treated me like a black person. Right. Well, how is a black person treated differently than anybody else? And why? You already know. Right. You know, so you're saying that you understand. It's just that why are we complaining? Right. You know, don't slap me in my face and then complain about me talking about pain. Right. I mean, it ain't my fault because I'm in pain. It's your fault. Mm -hmm. So so I I don't have those conversations with with uh, with people of other color because we we're not going to be able to see it uh, the same. I understand that going in. We can talk politics. Right. We can talk. talk uh, uh, We can talk. We can we can discuss what's going on but when it gets to well how how why do you feel that way i don't think as a 55 year old black man growing up in america i got to explain nothing about why i feel yeah because because it's gonna take a while it's right. a, it's a, that's a novel that ain't no daggone readers digest mm-hmm. uh, article that's a novel right so for me to try to explain how i feel it's like I always said trying to trying to um 
explain to a person that's not of color. Trying to explain how you feel is like trying to explain the color blue to a blind person that ain't never seen it. Unless you've experienced it, yeah. then you don't know. So if you how do you how do you explain blue to a blind man? Right. What do you say? Because they don't know what that color is or means. It's just like, okay, it's 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 cool. It's you know, it it, it don't even make sense to even try to do it. Because <laughs> that blind person sees that color blue differently. Right. It, it I mean they do. If they've never seen that color, you can't explain it to them. Mm-hmm. It's the same way when you're when you're black in America. You can't explain how it is when you're driving down the street and a police officer light his lights up and how that your heart jump in your throat yeah. and he just going to a call. You know, you had not done anything wrong, but instantly you're in fear. Right. You know, and, and what is not fear pulled over and have to pay a ticket, like you said. Fifty fifty. How that's gonna go. Right. And that's and that's amazing that uh, we as black people have to feel that way. Mm-hmm. It's a survival thing. It is. It's it's not a it's not a prejudice thing on our part. It's a survival thing. My mom had the same discussion with me that other black moms had, and I even drive a car. Mm-hmm. So we were just walking. So how do you how do you survive that 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 uh, that question? How do you survive an encounter with the police? And as a black man growing up in America, that's a conversation that you have with your own kid. And and it's, it is ridiculous because the police are there to serve the entire community, right. not just those people that they deem to be law abiding. Right. It's everyone and everyone gets just like when you go to school and your teacher gives you an A when you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. After a while, that A might dissipate or you keep it. Mm-hmm. Those officers need to look at you as a human being. Right. And if you get to the point where you you uh, you demonstrate that you are a threat, then you get dealt with. But not until then, not right. in the beginning. Right. <laughs> you know, I just pulled over. I, I think the one of the craziest things that I've, I've seen and I'm not giving legal advice. Black people riding in a car. I saw this video. A black man was in a car and he was driving. He had a lift. He was given a he got a lift driver mm-hmm. because he had turned in his rental car and him and his kids were driving, riding in a lift car. Mm-hmm. The lift, the, the driver got pulled over. The police officer asked the driver for his ID. The driver didn't have a driver's license. Oops. And then he asked the passenger for his driver's license. Right. And that man ended up getting pulled out the car, beat up in front of his kids. For what? Yeah. I'm, I, you didn't pull me over for no lawful reason. This I hired this man to take me yeah. home legitimately. And somehow or another, you think because I'm sitting in the back seat, I need to give you my ID. Right. That's that. that I don't even think that's you. Yeah. I don't that. See, that's that. You have no rights thing. Right. You, yeah. you wouldn't do that to a white man sitting in the back of a car. I've experienced that before. They didn't pull me out the car, but I was a passenger. And asked me for my license. I said, for what? I'm not driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What exactly. do you need my for? And then he, he kind of left it alone after that. Yeah. But it's just, it's crazy that we have to go through this and people who get so upset about Black Lives Matter and they want to be more angry mm-hmm. and more prejudicial about what it is instead of thinking about why. Like, right. like my friend, she said, I don't understand. Right. Because all they're seeing, like you said, is what the media gives them. Right. Busting windows and right. all that. Yep. That's not what we're saying. Mm-mm. What we're saying here, treat me with the same respect as you treat anybody else. Right. And I, I saw a statement Somebody had posted a statement once that the the difference between somebody asked, what's the difference between the KKK and Black Lives Matter? And the person said, uh, KKK is all about supremacy. Black Lives Matters is about 
equality. Right. That dead in that conversation. Right you're there. done. <laughs> yeah. Of course, somebody went in the conversation. Well, what about those thugs tearing up this and this? You know what? If we were treated equally, maybe yeah. those individuals who have nothing to do with what we're trying to say would get that chance to do that. Right. So let's look at it like that. Let's again, let's take away the blinders and let's clearly think these things out. And and you look at and I'm not even saying that um, the people who are who are um, responsible for the damage and, and the things that I saw downtown. But um, if you think about where these kids are coming from or where these people are coming from and only thing that they have is their privacy and the way that they're treated, they may not have much unchecked rage is exactly what it is. Yeah. You cannot reason with someone who is checked out and it doesn't come all of a sudden. And when you just keep pushing and pushing yep. and pushing, you can only put a person down so long. As soon as you get that chance to to rise up, when that when you feel that little bit of pressure come off your neck, mm-hmm. you're going to react. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that pent up um, uh, frustration and anger and it comes out in rage. And rage is nothing to deal with. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't deal with it. There, I mean, rage makes you be able to succumb some of the some of the damages that that were done pepper spray and all that kind of stuff that didn't yeah. mean nothing yeah that didn't, i'm still mad that i just adrenaline. can't see that adrenaline i just kicks can't in. see now so right. now you made me even more mad right uh I, I was so glad that with the with the brianna um taylor verdict that uh or the the non-verdict that came over uh, i was downtown and i was i was prepared i was prepared to to evacuate my people mm-hmm. uh from from where uh they had their their um protests and everything and but i wasn't afraid of the protests right i was afraid of the police officers and it, and because police officers are getting tired yeah they're getting tired of being blamed for social ills that they ain't their fault but because you're on the forefront you're the whipping boy right now mm-hmm. but the difference is police officers have the power to retaliate and and I, and I think at this point, police officers are getting mad. Mm-hmm. They're justifying their uh, responses. Yeah. And they know how to, they know if they can get it going, then they can even further justify the violence that they can bring yeah. on something like that. So that's that's the kind of thing that I was worried about. I agree. Yeah. And, and you're, 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 you're stirring the flames so you can react. Right. And right. I mean, I, I, that that it didn't happen. And I was glad it didn't happen because I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, because my wife, when the, after George Floyd, when uh, our city exploded, I kind of wanted to go to, I wanted to just go see the action. I wanted to see the movement. Right. I wanted to feel that energy mm-hmm. and have that vibe. Now, I wasn't going to run through there with a sign. I probably was going to take my camera and get some, some good pictures. Right. But she, she wouldn't allow it for right. that reason. She's like, no, you're not going because there's no telling what's going to happen. Yeah. And then, you know, we turn around on the news, they down there pepper spraying councilmen. Yeah. <laughs> Your boss. Right. Your boss. Right. You know, and, and, that just again it goes to show mm-hmm. that when you are in fear or you or even not even in fear but when you as a police officer yourself believe that you've been done wrong then you start to lose respect for life and if you res- if you can't respect the life of a person you certainly can't respect a person's uh, position yeah and so that was kind of that was old Joyce Beatty showed some little uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah she showed a little uh oh wait a minute yeah. uh, but but yeah it it, it, it kind of shows 
that inability to control yourself as a police officer. A police same, officer, you're supposed to be in control. The same rage. The same rage. Yeah. Exactly. The same rage. How dare you circumvent my power over you? Yeah. That's what that rage yeah. is. That's the police officer's rage. Because you do as you told. The oppressor feeling oppressed yeah. by the oppressed. Or in fear of losing <laughs> the ability to opp oppress. Right, right. Because the, the oppression has its value. Mm -hmm. uh, the powerful use oppression to stay in power. Yeah, uh, that's that's something that's been going on for years. Uh, so it's not. And I always tell my young people, people in power, they're not afraid of you, black man, because you're going to jail. Mm -hmm. They're not afraid of you because you're killing each other on the street. What happens is when you are oppressed yeah. and you raise above that, that's fear. Because now you giving it all you got. I got my foot almost touching the ground on your neck. Yeah. And you still get up. Mm -hmm. That is fear from the other side. Right. Because now what's going to happen when I let you up? Mm -hmm. Because the last thing you're going to let me do is put you back down. Right. So when the oppressor starts to feel that pressure of that person fighting back, that's when you that's when you see that that oppressed rage right. that well the the oppressor's rage and it's not really rage so much as it's fear because right. uh oh here we go I've controlled this whole thing and now it's about to get out of control right and 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 that's when you start seeing people scramble right and and the best way to do that is to become educated yes educate yourself know your laws know the rules know everything yeah and know where you at right because black people it, and i don't say black people because that would be a prejudice uh a monolithic uh um uh, gesture right. or, or a term. But when people are set upon, especially when they really know, see, you say you say get educated. Sometimes you be wanting to throw books against the wall, mm -hmm. throw bricks out the window, because yeah. now you understand that all this pressure that you've been feeling, you can't even overcome because there's so much power against you mm -hmm. that you almost seem almost insurmountable. Right. So so you got to get you got to get through that. But but uh, once you uh, once you you do get educated then it's easier to walk away from that pressure right because you already know it ain't gonna go away right this is a purpose mm -hmm. and a plan mm -hmm. and it's pointed at you right so that's when you learn how to go the other way you know um they start talking about how um the community needs help and the community needs this and that no because if you educate yourself that's when we gave away our power yeah when we started to rely on people to make us who we want to be. Mm -hmm. That's when we lost power. Yeah. And and so no, that's not a way to look at that. When you get that information, you take that information, you educate other people. And when you when they start throwing little dollars and stuff at you, you say no, just get your foot off my neck. Yeah. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Cause see you think about it in black in black history, we ain't never been left alone. No. <laughs> no, they always come back. If you look at history, man, and this is something because I watch a lot of TV, I read a lot of books, and I pay attention to a lot of different cultures. And the way, just looking at America's history, how they just, they move around and come back. And me yeah. and my wife, we do this segment on the radio show called the history segment. I said, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Sure. And in American history, it circulates. Started with the natives. Yeah. Couldn't mess with them anymore. Start messing with the blacks. Yeah. Oh, can't mess with them no more. Let's go mess with the Chinese people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they screwed with them a little bit. Uh, can't mess with them anymore. Let's come back to the blacks. We can't really mess with them. So let's mess with the, the Mexicans down there. Yeah. And anybody else of color trying to come over 
Right. We don't want to bother with them. Yep. And it just it's it's a cycle in a circle. Of course, the darker the skin, the worse the problems you get. Yeah. But it's 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 just America's history, and it's it's just a part of history. Nobody likes to acknowledge. Nobody wants to hear that, but it's the truth. Everybody knows it. Yeah. They just don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. Because to acknowledge it means that we've been wronged. You know, there and again, we're not monolithic. We don't all think alike. You know, I always I always tell young people when I work with them, you know, I'm tired of being an exception. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm tired. I grew up in the hood. You know, I went to, you know, different high schools or whatever. They're deemed, you know, insufficient. But I was able to get out of there yeah. and, and do. I ain't talking about being ultra successful. I'm talking about doing exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. And, and 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 there were pitfalls and, and struggles along the way, but I was able to overlook that by educating myself. Oh, that's the word. That's the reason why he called me that, or that's the reason why she did that, or mm-hmm. that's the, okay. As long as I understand it, then I can combat it. But if it but if you don't understand it, it eats at you because then they try to make it seem like it's something wrong with you. Yeah. And then you start to look inwardly and going, well, wh- wh- why I can't succeed, or or why did I make that mistake, or you know, why didn't I, you know, uh, dot that I across that T, you know, mm-hmm. to, to where I I am successful or I can't get to where I'm going. When you start to internalize the stuff that's been told to you, mm-hmm. then that's when you're well on your way of being defeated. Right. And like I told my kids, they ain't scared of y'all going out here stealing cars and breaking into windows and houses and stuff. Because y'all doing that to your own people. They scared of you trying to get into the police academy and get a badge or, or going to law school or getting, getting into politics. college or getting into politics and running things that's fear you know so when my message is for for young people when i talk to them is be who you are Mm -hmm. and don't ever let anybody tell you what you are because we've been told what we were Mm -hmm. i mean black is the first time we ever defined ourselves as black right so so we've always been told who we were and that and it wasn't for our benefit right it was for others benefit so when i talk to young people i'm not a separatist but i'm like don't ever say that you can't be somebody if somebody doesn't allow you to be it right because that that's that's a wrong way to think you're gonna you're gonna either get away from me move out i don't need your help i just need you to get your foot off my neck right and once you do that i'm all ready to do that you don't want me to do that though because think about it our ancestors toiled the fields for almost 20 hours a day yeah in the state of Alabama, yeah, and we still here, right? That kind of determination is dangerous, yeah, because you did it for massa, and if when you do it for yourself, yes, you're gonna be a way above that. Right. Just think about Oklahoma. You yeah. know, they was doing it for themselves, and they got fearful of that because you no longer need me, and right. if you need me, I have power over you. That's just like a parent that don't want their kid to move away mm-hmm. because I need to have that power over you. To, to do what I tell you to do. Right. And as soon as you leave, as soon as you go away, you on your own, you're subject to do anything. Right. And they don't want us to grow. They don't. Because if we grow, then we we may find out who we truly are. And we already know we come from a very strong people that come through a whole lot of oppression and, and, and murder and hangings and all that stuff. Right. And we're still here. Right. So I think if a slave master rose up out the grave one day, he refused to come out the hole because black <laughs> folks are still here. Right, right. He's <laughs> like, oh no. He walking around with shoes on. What? Exactly, because we still here because they know what they put us through. Right. And they right. just thought we was going to be a dead, a dead 
people and we're still here that shows who we are right so that's why i'm into history that's why when i talk to my young people we talk about their ancestors we talk about that kind of stuff yeah because that's the fear that other people have of us that somehow or another we're going to retaliate and have the power to do it and, and it's interesting that um you said that because my niece before you you pulled up we were talking about talking to children in our communities mm-hmm. and what type of conversations we should have with them on helping our own communities. And my whole thing was like, I stopped getting involved with, uh, you know, my peers or, you know, people who are trying to do things or say they want to do something because they're not thinking outside of the box. Right. They're not having the conversations with our children that you're having. Right. And they keep sticking them in the box. Right. Which is damaging our community. Because that's the box you need. You've been in for all your life. Right. And you haven't grown. You haven't. You need to teach them how to think for yourself. Right. To be able to go out there and and, and do things for yourself. Right. Because if you you rely on someone to give you freedom, you are always asking for that freedom. Right. So you take what you want. And I'm in when I say take it, you take it legitimately. Right. You get a degree, they can't take that away from you. Right. You know, you you go out there and you grow your own business. They can't take that away from you. You may fail, but as far as somebody taking it away from you, they didn't give it to you, so they can't take it. Bro, I'm telling you. I listen to, and I know a lot of people don't like this individual, but I watch a lot of his videos because he's he approaches things crazy, but he, he drops knowledge. Dame Dash. He said, it's all about ownership. He said, it's taking it. He said, if I go in the house and the person is racist and he he treats me in a bad way, he said, then what I need to do is buy that house and kick him out. Exactly. He said, that's how you, that's how you handle it. He says, educate. And he said exactly what you're saying. Right. Be yourself, go for yours, do what you want to do, be yourself, take it, get your own. And, and again, that's what we, we're not teaching our, our communities because they're keeping in the box. And the same box we're still talking into is the same box that they're putting us into. Right. Because in that box, we're getting knees in our neck. Right. We're getting shot yeah. because we're not thinking outside of who we are. Right, right. And neither are they. And if we don't think about where we need to go, where we take ourselves, they're not going to let us and they're going to keep treating us the same way. I had a grandfather who who was in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my, my parents are from West Virginia. And my mom always tells the story that my grandfather, who was a teacher and a businessman, was the first black family or the first black person to buy a house mm-hmm. on the street. So when they started to move in, people was like, well, you know, white folks was like, nah, you can't move in here. And, you know, you know, the names that they use and everything. But just like you said, I didn't ask permission to move here. This is my house. If you don't like it, I need you to move because I'm not going anywhere because this is my house. I'm not renting here. You can't go to the landlord and say, we don't want this black man and his family living in your community. I bought this house. And so when, when you own it, then you take it and try to do it by any means necessary and you'll see what happened to you. So what happened? They moved out. 
there was see that's what you're saying it's mine you only got one choice now right. you can leave if you don't like it you can leave and that's and I think that's where we got lost is when we start putting our hand out legitimately because mm -hmm. we were oppressed right. and you giving us stuff you only giving us enough to survive you're not giving us to own stuff in our own neighborhoods right. you're not giving us enough money to, to own our own homes in our neighborhoods you're giving us just enough so we can stay inside that box inside the neighborhood they didn't have to build the ghettos we that's where we live mm -hmm. they created it but we lived there you know so we weren't able to get out of that box until maybe in the early in the late uh, mid 90s yeah. where you know we we started to grow as the economy grew yeah. we started to grow with it uh, but but when the economy gets bad then that that comes back to, to, to haunt us yeah because our our wealth is wrapped up in our jobs right and when we start losing jobs we start losing and wealth, yeah, because we still weren't able to buy the house in the in the so-called white neighborhood that went up in, in value mm -hmm. uh, just because of where it was at and it was a desirable place to live. Right. But we have to create those things, and once we start to create our own, you gonna have to move or deal with it. Right. I mean, because all said and done, if you don't like the fact that I'm black, you are gonna have to go because I'm not turning no other color than what I am. Right. So if you don't like it, then you either learn to live with it or move. And and we're not we're not running after you. True that. So so in Huntington, West Virginia, in the 1940s and 50s, my grandfather said, "This could be a black planet. I'm good with that. Right. You can move." And that whole street moved, all of them. Wow. And it was all black professionals, all black, you know, masons, and you know, I can show you pictures of them all dressed up and. It was our own community. Mm -hmm. And somehow or another, there was a fear of that because we didn't need y'all no more. Right, right. You know, we, my, my grandfather was a, a, a printer and he printed all the stuff that the, uh, the the Masons and the Shriners needed. So, you know, they always having this or that and he got all their business. Right. You know, so we don't need you, sir. We, we out here doing our own thing. Right. And they got fearful of that. So what happened is a lot of the things that were feeding into that community got taken over. Right. You know, the steel mills and everything else. We we were oppressed again to not be able to have those jobs and sustain our community that we built. Right. Man, and um, a few months ago, I was watching a, a PBS documentary on the neighborhoods of Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I watch them all the time. The, that is those it's episodes deep. are crazy. It's deep. And they were talking about an area up there up on the north side called Baby Farms. Mm -hmm. They were targeting white people to come out there because the blacks were moving in yeah. to the city. Yep. So they were targeting the white people to come out and offering mm -hmm. uh, pounds of sugar to pure white couples. Really? Yeah, and this was this was on the leaflet, man. And I'm huh. just like, <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. that's, that's- Blatant. Yeah. Right blatant out there. And crazy. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> but then you bring that up to somebody and like, hey, it ain't happened. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, it's in black and white here. Right, uh, right. I got a flyer that says that I didn't produce it, you know. Right. But right. they, I mean, because it, it's, it's hard for us, black or white, to even think that people had that kind of mentality. But that was the mentality that brings itself to the same mentality that was able to watch a man die on TV. Yeah. And I ain't talking about George Floyd. Yeah. I'm talking about that brother in New York that got choked to death. Yeah. On TV. Over what? Uh, Over cigarettes? cigarettes. Yeah. Um, they could have. They could have confiscated that. They it, again. It was like we. It, this is the way we gonna deal with you because you're black. Yeah. You Dude, know the the guy uh, the Eric Gardner. That's his name. Yeah. The cop 
he wasn't even on duty that day, was he? I don't know. I could be wrong about that. I don't know. But it, it was excessive. It was excessive. He actually used a chokehold that was banned in New York uh, for years because of that. Because of that ending. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Eric Garner was a big man, but you you saw the man that had that chokehold on him. It don't take much. Man, it was like three of them guys. Yeah. And they couldn't get him down. Over. And the only person they wanted to charge was the black uh, sergeant that stood by. And it's like, really? This man has his hand. He died because this man had a chokehold on him. Right. You know, and they, they said he had asthma and, and all this other stuff. The same thing with right. Floyd. So if we continue to allow that to happen, it will it will happen. Right. You know. Because it's, it seems like when it comes to us, police protocols go right out the door. Especially like yeah with Breonna Taylor, because they had a no-knock warrant. Right. And they just released the transcripts transcripts of the grand jury not too long ago. And they swear up and down that they announced their presence that they were coming in. Mm -hmm. But I said, that can't be true, because if you have a no-knock warrant, and correct me if I'm wrong, with a no-knock warrant, you don't have to present yourself as coming in. You can just go in. Not until that door is knocked down. Oh, but, okay. And the problem is, is when you don't, when you do that, you should already know the pitfalls of such a thing. Yeah. That's why we didn't do no-knock warrants without highly trained individuals to be able to go in there and secure someone and how to, you know, throw a flash bomb in there and disorient them. And, and, and that's the reason why they do it. You know, I've I've seen where warrants were taken in apartments where kids were in there, you know, and the kids go through that, 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 uh, that same scenario where you throw in a flash bomb. In, and when I say a flash bomb, you throw it in there and a big flash just hits. And if you're asleep, you don't know what that is. Yeah, it's it's an explosion. Now it doesn't. It's not a frag, uh, frag grenade, but it disorients mm -hmm. you, and that's the purpose of that. So going into an apartment with uh, with people in in plain clothes, knocking on the door to the point where it comes down. Because when you do a no knock, the first knock is the last knock. But those people didn't have that ability to do that. When you, when when uh, when trained individuals do that, they have a they have a uh, equipment to knock the door down with one hit mm -hmm. and that's the reason why because if i'm banging on the door banging on the door you giving me time to gather my thoughts and my and my uh, right. weaponry to defend my house right. so there's a whole lot of reasons why we didn't even need to get to the point of charging them with with uh homicide we could have charged them with straight negligence that led to a homicide mm -hmm. which means it's called negligent homicide right. because you did what you did somebody died right and that's from the time that you did this little warrant that y'all lied on to the point where you shot this woman when she was on the ground from outside from outside because <laughs> that because you know why he shot from outside that's, that's that sounds insane because he was in at? fear yeah so i'm gonna kill everything up in here right. because one person got shot my sergeant or whoever the detective was got shot and i'm in fear and again what do we go to? That sounds insane. We go to our our upbringing, our biases. Nobody in here is worth my life. Right. But, I, but I've gone in their house, but nobody is in here. I'm in survival mode now and everything got to die. Yeah, because I'm not trying to die. You didn't think about that when you was doing that warrant, or you was when you was lying about it. You didn't think that that's the way it was going to go down. Right. But that's the way it went down. And and I, the pro, the prosecutor on down, all of them should be fired. That's a, that's what I think. All of them, because I, if I can sit here and look at this thing, it's like from the beginning. Intel on up. All the way up. Your intel was wrong. From the person who did the warrant to the person who shot that woman, everybody should be in jail for yeah. something. For yeah. negligence, because she died for no reason. Right. And and but you're not going to have that. What you're going to have is people hiding behind um, um, segments in the law 
that allow them to do a no-knock warrant. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they have this a, a, a autonomy thing. I never heard of such a thing. I was a police officer for 15 years. I never right. heard of it. All I knew is when I was a police officer, if you do it, you, and if you're if you're uh, if you're in fear of your life and you take somebody's life, then you're gonna be judged, and you you best be right because right. if not, you're going to jail. I don't know about this anonymity thing. Mm-hmm. I never heard of that. And that anonymity means that you can do whatever you want, but because you're a police officer, it's okay. That's crazy. I never heard of that. Wow. You know, man, I'm, you know, I probably would have been a different person. Probably not. Right. But who can blame them if you are never held accountable for what you do? Right. And again, going back to that, that self bias, these people don't matter. You know, they don't matter. That's just another black person dead. Right. You know, and, and yeah. it's kind of hard for me and you to, to understand that statement mm-hmm. because we're black and, and everybody in my family matters. Everybody that I know and, and all my friends are not black. But to have that that feeling, I don't know how that is. That's that's right. blue to a blind man, I guess. Right. You know, right. I, I, they can't explain that to me. Right. But yeah, I, I, I mean, as far as the Black Lives Matter and going forward, we need to take the flag down, go within our communities, and we need to put that effort into changing the way we look at ourselves. Because nobody's going to look at us different. No. If we still got young men out here killing each other, right? We still got uh, people not taking care of their children, right? Right. And that's not that's not a disparage on the entire black community, but it's entirely too many. Right. You know, that's what they're showing on. Yeah, it's a hundred and some odd. Uh, uh, last I checked, was a hundred and some odd murders, and eighty percent of them were black. Right. You know, it's that. That, that just shows that there's a sickness in our community and we're the only ones that can help it because they've already under, they've already shown us that they don't care. Yeah, and you know that's their defense. Right. Yeah. Y'all killing each other, so Black, what's the Black difference? Lives Matter doesn't, doesn't care until right. a, a cop does it. That's a, that's a whole different... Yeah. That's a whole different story. Right. Because that's just like saying, well, uh, you know, the, the, the Good Samaritan tried to set my leg and broke it even worse, you know, but but we're going to we're going to hold them to the same standards as the doctor who should have done it right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the professional. Where's the professionalism when the police officer has an encounter? We know what, uh, you know, this this dude that don't have good intentions for us. We know how he going to act. Right. But we are subject to the lawful or unlawful acts of a person who professionally is supposed to care right. enough about me to treat me like a human being. Right. And, and that's the difference. Yeah. You know, yeah. so how can you liken yourself to someone who who is confused about life mm. when you're you're supposed to be um, a professional life saver? Right. You know, yeah. that's the difference. Yeah. You know, so when somebody gives point. you that argument again, you that's can use point. it. I'm going to give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good, very good point. Hey, man, I just want to say I appreciate you coming in. Oh, this yeah. was, this was uh, you know, I know. I, you know, I like to talk. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's cool, man. It's, yeah. it's, this has been a good one. Yeah. I'm going to definitely have you back on the show. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to end it off on that high note again. Yep. If you, anyone wants to contact us at MSTAJ underscore Hark. That's on my Twitter and my Instagram is two harks. Any questions, any comments, any independent artists, any businesses that want to advertise, just contact me and we can work that out. So until the next time, we will talk to you again.